Today on CityCast Denver. Trouble at Union Station has caused the city to beef up policing there. But is that the right answer to Denver's ongoing social issues? Producer Paul Caroli and host Bree Davies join me to talk it out. Plus, we're excited to have a special CityCast guest jump in on the convo. Today is Friday, December 10th, 2021. I'm Alexandra McMahon, and this is CityCast Denver. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the city that's way better than any city in Texas. Oh, oh. <laughs> excuse me. Spicy. Ouch. Spicy okay, out okay. the gate. <laughs> yes, yes. I feel very ganged up upon. No, I'm I'm a, I'm defending you, Avery. Thank you, Bray. The reason why I'm being mean to Texas is because we have a special guest joining us this Friday for our Friday chat. It's Avery Lil. Hi, Avery. Well, hi. <laughs> Avery, where are you from? I'm from Austin, Texas, home of the much beloved, oh, I don't know, Alamo Draft House or Torchy's Tacos or Hop Ooh. Dottie. So be mean all you want, but you're taking our restaurants. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that in a second. But um, Avery's joining us because uh, she's going to be guest hosting CityCast Denver next week while Bree is out. And uh, so we wanted to introduce all of our fine listeners to her. Avery, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about where where you come from? Where have you been? <laughs> where do you come from? Where do you go? Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm from Austin. I went to school in Waco. And then I did a stint in rural Alaska right before I came to Denver. You uh, just finished a few years at Colorado Public Radio, actually. you were yes. So listeners, if you listen to CPR News, you might recognize Avery's voice from Colorado Matters. And that's where Avery and I met, because I used to work for Colorado Matters as well. And, uh, and then, yeah, I... Brie was out. Brie was going to be out. And I was just like, hey, Paul, could we just hire my friend for a week? And he said, sure. That's <laughs> how it works here. Also, sorry, listeners. Brie is going to be out for a week. Oh, yeah. By the way, I'm going to be out for a week. My very sloppy way of announcing that Brie's going to be gone for a week. But she'll be back. Turning into a robot. I'm getting my hip replaced. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Avery, we're so happy to have you joining us. Um, and uh, let's just jump right into our conversation today, uh, which is... Not as light. Um, So a couple articles came out this week that we felt kind of spoke to the same um, issue in a sense. And and, I mean, it's an issue that obviously Denver is definitely no stranger to. Um, So the first one that we're going to talk about is this uh, story about how Union Station is dangerous. People are fed up with how dangerous Union Station is. And it went as far as Mayor Michael Hancock saying, you know, quote, uh, illegal drug use, public urination and unsafe loitering must not be allowed to continue. Union Station is an important public transit and commercial space, and we will redouble our efforts to ensure it is clean and safe for all those who use and enjoy it. And what does redoubling those efforts mean? Well, that means increasing police presence, implementing homeland security teams, and hiring the guardian angels, which, does anyone want to take the liberty of explaining what the guardian angels are? They kind of remind me of what we had in high school called ROTC, which is like people that are doing like pre-military work, I guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I will say I had great interactions with the guardian angels in the 90s when I was a teenager Mm -hmm. and in my early 20s living um, off of Colfax. And 
They were very friendly and sometimes helped you sort of uh, disentangle yourself from random weirdos when you were just trying to go to 7-Eleven to get a Slurpee and buy cigarettes. But in this case, there's still just another layer of policing in some capacity. And if this country has clearly not learned anything, it's that more police are not solving social problems. Well, and it's citizen policing, too, which to me has always seemed so weird. It's like, yes, let's ha- give citizens who are not trained and equipped the way police officers are and, and give them the power to, I don't know, crack down on their neighbors. The illusion of safety. It's just such a weird half measure to me. It's like trying to soften the idea of law enforcement for people and make it like more acceptable. But it's just the same ideology. It's going to get the same results. I don't know why... I don't know why they think that different types of police organizations are going to be more effective at different things. All they're doing is just moving people from one place to the other. That's the whole reason why this is happening now at Union Station. It's because they shut down Civic Center Park. And so all of these people have just gone to the next most comfortable place. Which is a public space, which Union Station doesn't want you to think that. Because since it has been revamped and revitalized or whatever, I, I mean, again... Growing up here, it was boarded up and derelict for a long time. So when they reopened it, it had this like extremely swanky demeanor in the way that they've presented Union Station in a way that's frankly not accessible um, to most people. Like I, I, it's beautiful. They did a gorgeous job of renovating a building, but there's so many signals inside there that say you don't belong here. I had this professor in uh, in college who did a. Uh... His one of his research focuses was train stations in Europe in the 19th century. And his whole idea was that these train stations were like cathedrals, but like to democracy, like they were the people's cathedrals. They were secular. It was a place where anyone could go and you could meet and you could interact with anybody. That is not Union Station. No, not at all. all. It's like we took the idea of that again and we just like twisted it up and made it a little bit more glitzy and glamorous for the the affluent among us who can go and afford to patronize these small businesses. Or live in the apartments <laughs> near Union Station. Oh, gosh. Good Lord, those rents. Have you seen those? I mean, it's insane. Well, and I want to go back to what you said, Paul, about closing Civic Center Park. The idea of forcing people to move and then being angry that people have moved is just wild. It's ridiculous. I want to acknowledge something here, which is that RTD um, has said that uh, their their drivers have felt unsafe. And that is an issue. Like, I don't want to downplay the fact that that we have some anybody working in customer serving customer facing work right now are experiencing something that those of us that are working from home have no idea what it's like. So any of these pressures that we're putting on society are getting expelled on to people that do public facing jobs. So they're if they're feeling unsafe, I believe that. But the the solution I think is not just more policing. Like again, illegal drug use, public urination and unsafe loitering, whatever that means. There's solutions to those things. More restrooms, more public restrooms, which I know for a fact Union Station has actively tried to not make a option. They don't want people using their restrooms that aren't customers. Um, illegal drug use, again, overdose prevention sites are a proven method of getting people out of your bathrooms so they're not doing drugs there. Like, there are solutions and our city refuses to look at them. 
I, I was just, I'm just so sick of it. The way our, the Hancock administration responds to stuff like this with this zero tolerance approach when there are obviously better ideas out there that we know about that like make sense, like catch up. Right. You know, that people, this is known. These, there's data that backs these things up. It's just, it's just a better way to be with each other in a city. Um, I have a question for all of you. When was the last time you were at Union Station? What was the experience like? Hmm. When was the last time? You know, I was down there for the um when the the AAPI group wanted to they had a the event to call for the replacement or the tearing down of that old Chinatown plaque and replacing it. That was quite nice. Uh, I was just outside on the street though. I mean, it's probably been years since I rode the train in from DIA. Um and I just my clearest picture of Union Station is the um the diff, you know, seeing seeing folks charging their phones who may who may be houseless, um, next to people that are like dining really fancy, like it's just this very clear picture of this, the separations of the us and thems, the inequality. Yeah, and I that's something else I wanted to highlight in in a lot of these stories and conversations is like. Like this, this statement from Hancock, he says, we want to redouble our efforts to ensure it is clean and safe for those who use and enjoy it. Who are those people? Yeah. Mm. Who decides get who gets to use this public space or not? Avery, how about you? What was the last time you were there? Oh, it's probably been probably November 2019. I think I was riding the train to work, um, but... Then I moved downtown and I wasn't riding RTD so much anymore because I could walk to work. But um, it was a space, it, it was an important space just for you to, to be able to use it. And I, I, yeah. Well, and I would say I've heard more sketchy stories about like the like periphery stations, like not Union Station, but like the stations that are kind of out. Like hmm. I used to live in Lakewood near a station on like West Colfax, like way down Colfax. And, like, it was poorly lit, and, like, that was always a little bit sketchy. But it was, like, again, it wasn't because of, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why. I, I, it was just, like, it's just funny to me that, like, Union Station is the problem. It's, like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> right. The only sketchy experience is, like, I didn't have any sketchy experiences at Union Station. I think that's why I was struggling, Paul, is it wasn't really super memorable when I was right. using it. Because um, it's, tra- it's not a transit hub. Like you're saying, Paul, This the, the uh, description that you were giving of these sort of cathedrals to democracy, I'm thinking about I lived in New York for a brief period of time, and the the big train stations there feel you're you're intersecting with people uh, uh, from all over everybody is like moving and like this that's not <laughs> union station is like the it's a very denver thing it's like the facade of yes what we think a train station looks like and then it's not it's not really functioning for the full community so it's it's kind of a it's kind of a facade I was thinking about this um, this inequality aspect, and my wife, Megan, made this fascinating point this morning. She described this as um, what we have as a caste system. We just have this permanent class of unhoused people that we don't really give the resources they need to like change their lives, and we just like accept it. And this union station is like, it's when, when Hancock says us, when Hancock says the people that are affected, it's like, well, it's not this this permanent unhoused class of people. And that's just something that we accept. Like, I I don't think we should do that. I don't think that's the right way to think about this problem. There's too much othering 
I hate it. That's a really good segue, Paul, into the other piece that we wanted to talk about that came out this week, because I think that this piece is kind of agreeing with you, but in the wrong way. Like they're saying that like our unhoused neighbors choose to be unhoused and will always be unhoused because they like that lifestyle. So the piece that I'm referring to is this editorial that came out in the Denver Gazette, and it's called uh, Denver's Drifters Glamp on Taxpayers Tab. And it's all about um, safe outdoor spaces. You know, these are places that the city is kind of partnering with Um, private partners, but now they're kind of moving into like the public sector. And uh, it's just a place where there's heated tents for people to get out of the cold and have access to resources. And um, they've already been proven to be very successful. But this editorial uh, is making the case for otherwise saying that it's not good. And that we... it doesn't even give a solution. No, it just says shelters. Yeah, its solution is indoor shelters, and I don't. I, there's plenty of research that shows that indoor shelters are actually not the right solution. And the, anyways, before I toss this out, I just want to say this editorial does not have an author. Uh, it was just by the Denver Gazette editorial board, which I think says something in itself. It, it's not uncommon, though. I, I do want to say that um, papers do release editorial board. Uh, authored pieces sure. regularly. Yeah. However, I think the fact that there is no name attached to such a divisive and frankly really mean piece um, says a lot. And and to me, it's it's where da- it where their journalism becomes dangerous. Attaching no name to it also, there's just there's no accountability for the things that are being said in it and the statements that are being made that aren't grounded it says that people right Alexandra says people are choosing uh, to be experiencing homelessness or that it's willpower that will get people off of the streets or that they need treatment for mental illness which we know is in such short supply for no matter who you are the access to mental health care is really lacking during the pandemic and the more barriers you face um, economically or instability there's just no accountability when somebody doesn't attach their name to something like that and then put such brazen statements on it. Can we talk a little bit more about some of the claims that they make? I think for mm. people, because I don't want to like. I think we need to share. Yeah. Be some like, of oh, it, go, go read this terrible piece. Like, no, we'll just tell you kind of the gist of what's in it and some of the claims, and then we will discuss that. So the line that stood out to me the most was. Um, they're describing what the safe outdoor spaces do. So, you know, it's like, uh, you know, heated TEDs, bathrooms, laundry services, Internet access, food donations, dental care, COVID-19 testing. It goes on and on because it, it's yeah, these are great. They offer a lot of resources. Um, and then the, the editorial goes on to say all that's missing is a turn down service and mints on their pillows. What a bunch of assholes. <laughs> this is what housed people say to unhoused people. I have all of these things and you can't have them. Yeah. You can't have shelter. You can't have safety. You can't have heat, food, access to dental care, COVID-19 testing. All the things that I have as a housed person, um you can't have. So the, because they they also frame those things as amenities in the story when they're actually just necessities for humans to exist. And then they ask yes. people to have willpower to suddenly become housed. Without yeah, like magically, without like, just grow a house and go into it and lock your door. Yeah, I think there's a quote in here. Maybe I I would love to read this because they he this well 
the person who wrote this said, that's not to say all the camp dwellers are irredeemable. In principle, anyone can be saved. But for most, to mend their ways requires a fundamental change of attitude, starting with the willpower to stay off of drugs and alcohol. If willpower worked, people wouldn't be... My friends wouldn't be dying from overdoses if willpower was the only thing that we needed. I took a lot of issue with the way that this article frames people who have substance use issues as a person who has substance use issues. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's really harmful. It's 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 harmful reporting. I mean, well, no, it's not even reporting. It's just some asshole's opinion. That's all. Yeah, and unfortunately, the Denver Gazette. Yeah, an anonymous asshole. And unfortunately, the Denver Gazette decided to give this person a platform, um, which, uh, you know, is a problem. So we got some statements from service providers in Denver um, about this uh, editorial. And uh, I'm wondering, uh, Bree, do you want to share the statement we got from Benjamin at Denver Homeless Out Loud? So, um, yeah, so we reached out to Denver Homeless Out Loud directly um, because they are the folks that advocate and represent um, and are a, a, an organization made up of folks who have experienced homelessness or who are currently experiencing homelessness. And Benjamin said um, in response to this editorial, no one, and I mean no one, chooses to be homeless. To sit behind a locked door and call the police on folks stuck in homeless land over and over and over only makes things worse. 70% of calls to the STAR program are for unwanted persons and not for emergencies. Apparently, there is a person who alone has called emergency services 500 times. It is sickening the disrespect we show our homeless communities. And this anonymous author is no different. The SOS camps do a great job of offering help with dignity and respect. So when folks are offered some help with dignity, are we to shame them as grifters? Makes you wonder what kind of grift this author is manufacturing. Here is a bit of what enduring homeless land actually looks like. And then he says, glamping my ass. (laughs) Being chased from street to street by city officials week after week, month after month. No rest, never sleeping with both eyes closed. Asking for housing and being told there is none. Asking where you could go and being told to an overcrowded emergency shelter during a pandemic. Not a safe place at all. How about housing? Efforts to address homelessness should emphasize housing. Housing ends homelessness. Shelters do not work. They never have. We'll post the full statement from Benjamin Dunning at Denver Homeless Out Loud in our show notes if you want to read it because it's it's powerful stuff. And I think he raises a lot of solutions that like we should actually be looking at. Um, um, I do want to share something like positive, though, that a friend of the show, Connor McCormick Cavanaugh, uh, posted yesterday, the Colorado Village Collaborative, which has set up most of the safe camping sites in Denver, raised over $101,000 for Colorado Gives Day from 184 donors. To put that in perspective, that is almost as much as what the organization organization received from the city in all of 2019. So there are Denverites out there who feel the same way we do and that they want this to be a solution and they see uh, the safe outdoor spaces being an option. They are one of many options. So there is a little bit of hope out there. You know, what would be great is if this editorial actually pushed, made people so bad they were just like, yeah, I'm going to donate. Yeah. <laughs> Take my money. <laughs> I hope it does. You can visit the Colorado Village Collaborative online and donate to them anytime. You can donate to the Harm Reduction Action Center 
any time. Doesn't have to be Colorado Gives Day. And especially when you're mad. Yeah, when you're mad, when you're fired up, throw some money their way. Wow. All right. Maybe that's what we, we leave on. If this if this made you mad and you're a housed person, um, like all of us are on this conversation right now, and you want to do something, reach out to Denver Homeless Out Loud. Donate to the Colorado Village Collaborative. Talk to Harm Reduction Action Center. All of these places need your voice in supporting what they do because a big part of this is that we just don't talk about solutions in a way that um, invites people into the conversation. All right. Well, uh, thanks, Avery, for joining us today. This was fun. And uh, just a reminder, so yeah, Bree's going to be out next week, but we're going to be joined by Avery Lil, and we've got a bunch of fun stories planned for you listeners, so stick around. And uh, yeah. That's all for the week here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were Paul Caroli and me, Xander McVan. Payne Garcia writes our morning newsletter. Bree Davies is our host. Our music is by Los Bocchetes with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren, plus more from the Epidemic Sound Library. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at CityCast Denver and tell a friend about us the next time you see them. You can sign up for our daily newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. All right, hopefully my cold will be gone before next week. Have a good weekend, everybody. I'm so sad we're not doing Christmas recommendations. I wanted to recommend Princess Switch. I wanted I wanted to c- convince the world to watch my bad Christmas movie franchise. Aubrey, it is Vanessa Hudgens three times. Three times in one movie. Um, and then there are three of the movies, but it's okay. The world doesn't have to know my trash.